business and bourbon. We're global, Edie. We are global. I want to shake your hands. I want to kiss your babies. Let's get straight into this. Especially the millennials are very excited about brands that do good and have purpose. And that's the kind of energy that fuels me. I'm not ruling tequila out. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Where my slogan is, I'm a businessman, it's because my business journey started when I was in single digits. Cassette tapes, these were these little square things that you put into a machine and you push play. Every client that I work with, I'm putting a piece of my soul in, experience other cultures, try different foods. I think it opens our eyes and gives us a better appreciation for what we have. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. My name is Ronnell Richards. I am the creator and your host. So, you know, in this past year, we have had some record-breaking numbers of new businesses. And I think we can expect a large amount of new businesses here in the near future, especially in the retail space as retail starts to rebound. So, you know, as you're considering starting a business, you're considering, you know, whether that be retail or any sort of commercial enterprise, you have to think about where am I going to house that business? And, you know, someone that's done this a few times, that can be a tremendous expense, right? Where are you going to house your business? Where are you going to keep your product? Where are you going to, if you're a retail establishment, where are you going to set up? And it could be critical to your success. So, you know, I wanted to invite a friend of mine on that is a specialist in the commercial space to not only kind of give us a temperature check of what's happened in this past year, but tell us where we should be looking as we look ahead, where the opportunities are, and give you some very specific direction in terms of how you should structure if you're thinking about starting your own business and where you need to be looking in terms of putting yourself in a position to be successful as it relates to commercial space. So with that said, it's time to go, guys. I need you to grab your glass, grab your cup, grab your mug, whatever it is that you like to drink out of. Grab your very favorite beverage. Grab your very favorite beverage. And for me, right at this moment, it is some all-nations bourbon i'm loving these guys based here in atlanta shout out to my friends at all nations it's time to sit down next to me here at the bar and enjoy a little bit of business and bourbon welcome back to business and bourbon where we have real talk with real people i am your host the creator of business and bourbon ronnell richards we're back at the king and duke here in buckhead atlanta again I know you guys can feel the excitement in my voice. This is our second episode back here in the, well, we'll say the third quarter of the pandemic. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're almost through this thing, guys. We're getting some terrific numbers here in Atlanta and Georgia where we're at, and I'm hearing some great things around the country and just hoping that momentum continues and we can get out there doing business the way that we were doing it prior to this pandemic. In any case, I'm having a drink. I'm sitting down with a friend. You know how we do. We're going to talk some business. I'm super excited about our guest today because we're going to talk on some things that I have been really wanting to talk about for quite some time and uh, really relating to pandemic, post-pandemic, and how that affects 
the commercial real estate world. Like I'm super intrigued by this. So before we move any further, I want to go ahead and introduce my guest, my good friend, Edie. What's going on, Edie? How are you doing, Ronell? I'm Man, good. I'm sitting down with you. Your hair looks great. You. You've got a beautiful cocktail in front of you. I've got a beautiful one. It couldn't be any better. Couldn't be any better. Right? Agreed. How long have you been in Atlanta? 23 years this year. Wow. Yes. You beat me. Have I? Yeah, about a couple of years. Okay. About a couple of years. Well, hey, before we get this thing started, tell the people a little bit about yourself, who you are, what Absolutely. you do. Of course. So I am Edie Weintraub. I'm the founder and CEO of Terra Alma. We're a globally inspired retail commercial real estate advisory. We focus on restaurants, fun and entertainment brands, and we help them grow throughout the Southeast. Most importantly and exciting recently, I had a food hall open in West Midtown. So we can talk a little bit more about that. West Midtown where? West Midtown across the street from Top Golf. What city? We're global, Edie. We are global. <laughs> Here in Atlanta. Check the stats. <laughs> yes. Here in Atlanta. Here in Atlanta. Fantastic. And, you know, I wanted to bring you on because here in our city, I mean, you understand this city better than anyone I know from the commercial real estate standpoint. And, and Atlanta is really a center of growth, not just in the South, but in the country. And so as things kind of go here, it's, it's a great indicator of what's going on in some of the other major markets as well. Right. Absolutely. So, okay, before we get this thing started um, and, and get into some fun, it's time to, we got to cheers it up a little bit. Cheers. You have a beautiful drink. Do you, what is that called? It's called half in love. Not fully in love, but half in love. <laughs> and it's sprinkled with some dry strawberries, has some Prosecco and vodka in it. It's Ooh. got a little fruity taste to it, but not too sweet. Ooh, well, you know what? The strawberries actually look like flowers. And guys, again, if you get the chance to come to Atlanta, come to the King and Duke here in Buckhead. Their beverage menu is amazing. Their beverage director, is, who's been on our podcast before, um, is fantastic. And they're always coming up with cool stuff. All right, I have, what is it? Whispering Statue. Whispering Statue. What a name. Yes. And it's got some, of course, bourbon in it and, and, and stuff. And it's delicious. Okay. This isn't great for audio, but we're drinking, guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a great way start a conversation absolutely agree. guys i recommend this okay have a nice cocktail <laughs> sit down and have some conversation great way to start it. all right so i understand you're a vodka person first of all yes i've had my fair share of different cocktails yeah probably not as adept at you in the <laughs> bourbon category but i i will definitely try and take a flight here and there there's a there's an amazing restaurant in midtown mm -hmm. um that's called the consulate and mm. they have a beverage director there. His name is Jackson and he will walk you through a flight of anything. So might have to do a flight of bourbon to better understand, but vodka has been my drink of choice. I've had some challenging times with tequila, so <laughs> I'm going to stick with vodka. I've never been much of a tequila person either. Yeah, no. I don't know why it's maybe it's the, I don't know, just the flavor just doesn't agree with me. I don't know. I keep trying though, guys. I'm not ruling tequila out. I'm keep, I keep trying and I keep taking advice from different people and people will refer different spirits to different tequilas to me and I'll try them. I'll try them until, I don't know, maybe I'll figure at some point I'll taste one that appeals to me and I like. But I do like tequila cocktails. You might have to take a trip to Mexico and Been really there. have it what? from home base and ah. may not educate ah. you on the different 
profiles. And Isn't that what they do when you show up? The minute you show up, you get off the plane and whatever, <laughs> whatever place you're going to, they want to sell you like tickets to go to all these different places to taste tequila and do the flights. And so I did that last, a couple of times, I think. You but didn't fall in love. I didn't. No. I didn't. Maybe you know, half in love. Oh, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> uh, pun intended, guys. All right. So, yeah, I'm the bourbon guy, but I like to try other things. But I'm enjoying this this cocktail right now. Okay. Again, guys, get to Atlanta. Come see my friends at King and Duke. Yeah. All right, let's get straight into this because I've been so excited to talk to you because I want to talk about what's going on in the commercial real estate business, like straight from the source, straight from the, first of all, you made a pretty significant change here in your career going into this, this year, because you worked with a really large company for a very long time. And so that's, what's really cool to have you today, because not only do I get to talk about what's going on in business that we all should be thinking about from a commercial real estate standpoint. But you've also got the experience of coming from a really big company and launching your own firm, which is challenging. And I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, the road to entrepreneurship, I can't even talk today, (laughs) is scary, but exhilarating at the same time. The way that most real estate agents are set up is that they're independent contractors, but oftentimes they're hanging their license at a bigger firm in order to get their feet wet and understanding of the market. So having been in retail for the last 16 years, I've seen the evolution of retail and restaurants, and most of those folks are not expanding nationally. And that's where that national platform comes in that's very helpful. But for the last probably 11 or 12 years, most of my folks have been local, regional restaurants, entertainment, and there is nothing more exciting. You know, here we're sitting at King and Duke, Ford Fry came out of Dallas as part of Eatsy's expansion and fell in love with our city and has stayed here and opened multiple restaurants. And so I consider Ford Fry a local and there's nothing more satisfying than as you've described and as you've talked about in previous podcasts to come back and see your friends at King and Duke time and time again, you know, to walk in and have that community feeling. You don't get that having a national growth strategy with brands. You know, if I'm working with someone here in Atlanta and they want to go to Seattle, I'm referring them because I'm not, you know, I don't know the Seattle market like I know the Atlanta market. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they're in the best hands possible. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the business. Let's talk about what's going on. And we'll speak to your specialty, which is like retail, right? So we're talking places like where we're at today, right? These multi-use, multi-tenant sort of things that we're seeing that are popping up around a lot of urban areas. And in fact, man, as I travel the country outside of urban areas, like they're trying to do some of these same things where it's live, work, eat, play. That's right. Live, eat, work. Yes. Yes. Got it. it. So what do you think? I mean, what are you seeing as some of the trends in in those sorts of models? Are they taking on? Are they going to continue to grow? What do you think? So mixed use is the, the hot word right now. And everyone wants to have a mixed use community. Well, that's no different than taking an apartment building and putting retail at the bottom. You know, forever we've had each of those categories in silos. So industrial has a place along the highway. Office complexes have a place here. Restaurants have a little place here. Former downtowns have a little place. And so now I think with the success of concepts out in California, there's a development called Santana Row in San Jose. And that, along with the Grove 
have been inspirational for folks like North American Properties to come into Atlanta and open a project called Avalon, where you've got not only Whole Foods, a movie theater, you have office, you've got residential, and you have retail and restaurants all mixed into one project. It feels good walking around there because you've got folks out in the morning that are walking their dogs, they grab their coffee, and so you're bringing together all those different uses. And it's great because it also balances the ebb and flow of those restaurants. So when people are leaving to go off-site to a different property for work, there's other folks that are coming in to that office and working and being there on site for lunch. And then when it ebb and flows for dinner, either that office community can stay and have cocktails with their teams or they leave and then the residents come back. Um, so it's a nice flow of the parking field, but now everybody wants mixed use. And so what you're seeing is the rise of downtowns, even Alpharetta. I get the appeal. I get the reason for the concept. The concept is not, it's new, but it's not new, new. Correct. Now, here's what I want to get at. We're in the, hopefully again, the telling of a global pandemic here, which has changed the business landscape. Okay. And so I want to know, what do you think, how does that affect these mixed-use communities? Should we be investing in them? Is it something, are these places that we want to live? Are these places that we want to open up our offices in? Like the pandemic and the way that we're doing, going to do business post-pandemic, which is not going to be the same as before, how do you think the pandemic maybe has impacted these types of commercial spaces? Yes. So during the pandemic, you've seen the growth of hobbies and people doing things at home and outside. So, you know, Dick's and Hibbit's, all these sporting goods stores. I mean, they've sold out of a lot of equipment that, you know, they've had inventory of for some time because people are now out doing more outdoor activities than they had been previously. Either they have time because they're working from home and they're not commuting, or they've said, you know, I need to get out. I need to do something active wise other than walk down the street. Let me go, you know, kayak down the Chattahoochee. Yeah. Um, but in with that, you know, retail overall has been significantly challenged. And it's this is nothing new. This is something that we've been watching the evolution of for many years that people are not shopping at malls. They're not shopping with the national brands like they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're, you know, especially the millennials are very excited about brands that do good and have purpose. Some of them being, you know, Warby Parker, the Bomba socks, which donates a pair of socks for every pair that you buy. So they're purpose driven. And mm -hmm. so that's what I think a lot of millennials are looking at in terms of having that full circle of equality of life. So same going back to the downtown environments. If you have dollars to spend, you want to spend it in your local community. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that those mom and pop restaurants or those mom and pop retail shops are going to be there a year from now. And so many of those downtown environments that had those local mom and pop shops were able to pivot quickly. They didn't have to deal with the big corporate entity to get approval to do things differently. A lot of them scaled down their workforce and kept the folks that they, as many as they could, but used them more for to-go packaging or family meals or things like that. So I think going back to the downtown environment is a lot about quality of life. Are these like the downtown environment? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. They're trying to recreate the downtown environment. So you think back to, you know, early 1900s and you see in a Marietta Square, for example, mm -hmm. you've got the butcher, you've got the baker, you've got the tailor, you've got the shoemaker. Listen, folks, as you can tell, we have a tremendous time on the podcast. 
We have such a fun time hanging out, having some cocktails and talking business. Can you imagine what that would be like in person if you were hanging out there with us in person, sitting in the table right next to me? Well, guess what? You don't have to imagine. Yeah, we're doing it. Business and Bourbon is touring and we want you to come out and see us. What you need to do is go to businessandbourbon.live. Go ahead and enter your information into our website and we'll let you know when we're coming to your city. What you can expect is an awesome event where other business and bourbon listeners in our community, we're going to come together and we're going to network. We're going to have a great time, enjoy some good whiskeys, talk a little business and beyond. Can't wait to see you guys there. So make sure go to businessandbourbon.live. Get your free membership. Make sure that you're in the house when I'm in your house. For some context, because again, Edie is a specialist in the Atlanta metropolitan area. You mentioned Marietta Square. This yes. is this is like your typical town square, guys. So wherever you're at in your your place of the world, it is a typical town square. Where to your point, you said back in the day you had all of your retailers right on the square. Right. The baker, the meat market, and the I don't know whatever existed back in the day. You know, they have those sorts of things. So. To your point, which you're, correct me if I'm hearing wrong, but I think what I'm hearing is that, again, these mixed use are recreating like the old school town square sort of thing, which is crazy in a way because think not crazy, like crazy, don't do this. Crazy in that everything in business, so many things are cyclical, right? If you guys could see that, he literally, literally did the circles. I said that because we're right here. They're cyclical. And, you know, the town square gave way to malls and um, big box retailers, right? And now we're kind of getting back to that. But here's one of the things that I find interesting. Like you mentioned the mom and pops. But I wonder that, because, you know, I look in, in some of, in, in my local community and I see more of the mom and pops as the ones that have been closing up in the, during the pandemic. But these big corporations that look like mom and pop... <laughs> seem to be the ones that that have, thri- have continued to thrive and and are expanding is that do you think that you know because there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have business aspirations and you know are, are they're business owners or they want to start a business do you think that in this mixed use world that we're talking about that there's a place for the small business there's a place for for that corporate person or that person's been working for someone else for a long time they're like you know what i want to i want to sell cupcakes or i want to open up a skate shop whatever it is do you think there's a place for them in these mixed-use communities can they and and we're going to peel back the curtains a little bit because you know the numbers this is more than just hey yeah you can open up a business here but can they be successful in these environments is it cost effective can they afford these environments because i think that that's probably one of the reasons why these big the big companies that are able to survive is because they can afford the rent. Is there a place for us in, yes. in these uh, mixed use? Great question. So I, I think of mixed use as, you know, a project like Santana Row in San Jose, California, like the domain, um, Avaline. But that mixed use is absolutely applicable to a traditional downtown. You know, you go to the UK and Wales and it starts with a pub and a restaurant, and then the houses are sprinkled around it. And so if you have that common space to go to, you know, you can create that mixed-use environment, whether it's new or it's old. 
So for example, Marietta Square, each of those individual buildings has a separate ownership. And so because people have moved out of those squares and now folks are kind of moving back in, those price points are approachable for mom and pops. If you're talking about a brand new construction project, they're gonna pick their local operators and probably more likely someone that's already been in business rather than a startup. Because at the end of the day, in order to get the money to fund that new construction, they've got to go to the bank. Construction costs right now are so cost prohibitively high that more and more developers are now looking at adaptive reuse, which is very helpful because you start with the skin of the building and then you can rework it from inside. That's not to say it still doesn't cost about the same to build out that infrastructure, but I think people are in love with seeing a new, an older building have a new life in it. So for example, Pont City Market is here in Atlanta. It was one of 11 Sears catalog centers across the country. In fact, in Seattle, Amazon, is it Amazon? Amazon or Starbucks occupies that particular structure. And so to see that building renovated over the course of three years by Jamestown and have it come to a new life is just fascinating and it feels good. So... Back to my original question, and I think that you've answered it, but I want to clarify. If I'm a small business, I'm, a, I'm someone that's, you know, I don't, have, I don't have investors. I'm a guy. I want to start a business. Is it, It's sounding like in these sorts of mixed-use communities that I should probably be looking for, for space in maybe an older area, right? Like these older traditional downtown Correct. sort of areas as opposed to the flashy new mixed use community, live, work, play, apartments and all that sort of thing built in. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on if you're a brand new startup, that's different than if you already had two to three open and operating locations where you've got an existing customer base and, and maybe even a social media following. So as you come in, you're immediately able to add to their marketing ability. So for a startup, brand new, barely even have your business plan together, probably more so downtown, work with a local owner and start there. And then if it's a new construction mixed use, you're better off as a local mom and pop having a couple of locations that people can come and see in order to proof of concept. So they can touch, feel, and see the types of customers that are coming in your store and if it's a good fit for their project. That's powerful. Here's one of the things that I took from that. And it reminds me of my own entrepreneurial experience. I, I can go back to when I was a kid. I grew up in entrepreneurship. So where my slogan is, I'm a businessman, it's because my business journey started when I was in single digits. I can remember when my parents owned a, a, a beauty supply and salon when I was eight years old, eight to I don't know, 11 or 12. And the owner of the building was some guy named Scott. I think his name was Scott. You remember, but, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but and fast forward to many years later when I am negotiating space for one of my companies and I'm working with a corporate entity that's owned by some German conglomerate. The experience is very much different. And when you're starting in your, your business journey and you're starting up, you want Scott. Scott's going to work with you. Scott's going to have more flexibility. And in fact, when I opened my first office here in, in Atlanta, oh my gosh, I forget his name. Great guy. Italian-American, first generation. And um, he owned the building and we, we negotiated and he was very easy to work with. And that kind of helped me to get started in the city. So to your point, 
guys, if you're looking to start a business, try to find some of these properties that are owned by individuals that are going to be flexible and willing to work with you to help you to get started because corporations are not flexible to the small guy <laughs> without any resources. When we saw that last year, there was a couple of bigger landlords that immediately deferred rent for two months while people kind of tried to figure out what was going to happen, what how is this going to affect their business. The challenge with that is that it's tacked on to the end of your lease. So if you have a 10-year lease and they say, I'll defer rent for two months, you're getting a 10-year plus two-month lease. So that way they're still able to recoup that they've got that full time with you. Yeah. I want to talk about your career a little bit before we get into this. I always, I'm a, I'm a music guy, right? I love my music. I love my hip hop. I love my, I love lots of different types of music, to be honest with you. But I was like, that's my guest because it tells me a little bit about them. Who's your favorite artist? I always ask hip hop because I'm a hip hop head, but just in general, who's your favorite artist? I have so many. Um, my okay. first cassette tape that I bought was Janet Jackson. Whoa, Control. Uh, that's exactly the was one. It control? Yes, it was Control. Yes. I loved Michael growing up. And then all throughout high school, you know, Snoop Dogg was really popular, Eminem. So I've, you know, taken inspiration from a lot of different genres. And my kids laugh at me <laughs> because I'll put on Eminem and Slim Shady. And it's very empowering, right? You mm -hmm. know, you see his story and his evolution and in the movie he seems like such a shy guy and he's in this environment where he's gotta just you know express himself and be who mm -hmm. he is and so i found it very inspiring what's your favorite eminem song mm -hmm. without me that's one of those ones where he sings right <laughs> god i hate when he sings i just wish he, i just wish he would just like rhyme with yes. no with no music just rhyme he's amazing all right, so your first tape was Janet Jackson. Tape, yes. guys, this cassette tapes, these were these little square things that you put into a machine and you push play and it... Pre-CDs, okay. pre-MP3s. Yeah, yeah. All, all that stuff. CD, what's yeah. a CD? I'm a, a millennial, so I just don't... <laughs> I don't know these old technologies. Wait, you be drinking that drink? <laughs> all right, so my very first... Now that we're sharing my very first tape... Oh, my God, guys. This is crazy. My very first tape was an album, like one of those little round single albums. It's not that I'm that old. It's that I didn't have any money, and like, <laughs> and my parents didn't care that much about music, so they always had a record player, right? And so I had this little, oh my gosh, this is crazy. It's full circle. I had this little, you'll understand why here in a moment. The little single, I think they call them 45s, is mm -hmm. that what they call them? Exactly. Of Word Up from Cameo, Atlanta's <laughs> own Cameo. Word Up. Wow. You guys don't know nothing about that. Check it out. Anyway, that was my very first one. And my very first tape, Bust a Move. Ooh, that's it a was, good one. Uh, no, it wasn't. It, it's just poppy <laughs> hip hop, but you know, when you're nine years old or whatever I was at the time, like that was the best thing ever. Anyway, all right. <laughs> all right, so I want to talk about your career. Um, journey a little bit because we have so many people that listen to this podcast that that are really trying to chart their futures like we have different people that we've we've got the folks that are like trying to get it figured out we have the folks that have been doing doing whatever they they're doing for a long time they're looking to transition and then the folks that are just like man i get it i listen what you guys are talking about i'm going through that shit or i've been through that shit and and they're just commiserating with us i love all of you guys but for our folks that 
are starting their journey or want, wanting to transition, commercial real estate provides a, a tremendous opportunity for stability and wealth building. I, I want to know a little bit about your journey. How did you get into it? How long has it been now? 16 years. 16 years. Yes. How did you get into it? How did you get to this point today? So start at the beginning. So I almost have to go back and going back to high school and college, I loved science. And so I thought that I wanted to be a dentist. I worked for my dentist every day after school and on Saturdays and, you know, completely entrenched myself in that business and finally finished up school at Kennesaw State here in Atlanta and decided, you know, I really like the part where I'm inviting the guests in or the patients in and talking to them and asking how their son's wedding was and what's going on with their daughter and realizing that I like people too much. And so I couldn't be a dentist. You know, the dentist comes in the room and everyone opens their mouth and you can't communicate. <laughs> so I thought, you know, love people, love research, love reading. I thought maybe I should try my hand at law school. I was already dating my husband at the time. He says, okay, before we get onto the part of paying for law school, why don't we go through the process of seeing if this is the right fit? So I got my paralegal certification. I worked in copyrights, trademarks, patents, and decided that was very um, cerebral. Mm -hmm. So I switched over to medical malpractice and family law, and I decided people are mean. And all this time, my father has been in real estate brokerage and mostly in land and assemblages and development. And he said, Edie, I've seen you go on this journey. I really think you should go get your real estate license. Mm -hmm. Come and work with me. Okay. I said, great, let me do it. So I did that while I was working um, in the law office. And I started in residential. And this was in 2005. And I loved making my own schedule and planning my day. Um, one of my favorite stories is this is back when Craigslist was very popular. And so I would look on Craigslist for people who are looking to rent, thinking if I invested in people that were looking to rent one day when they're looking to buy, I'll be their person. So I met this gal and we connected over the fact that she had a boxer. My parents always had boxers growing up. And so I met her when she came to Atlanta from New Orleans and she ended up renting something. She didn't use me, but fast forward a couple of years she and I found a house for her then boyfriend at the time in um, West End. So that is a success story that took a couple years in the making. So I believe in planting seeds and just continuing to water them and watch them grow. But my time going from residential to retail was my husband worked for a consulting firm and he was doing open houses with me on the weekend. I was having to show property at night and I said, I do want to have a family one day and I don't feel the way I'm doing residential is indicative of, you know, having quality of life. So I saw signs all over the place for these properties. And I met with folks in office and I met with folks in retail and I decided, you know what? I like eating. I like shopping. I think retail's my thing. And I was uh, positioned with a mentor on the retail side and we did 100% tenant representation. So let's say, for example, trying to draw some similarities, we represent restaurateurs, tenants that are looking to grow, whereas the other side of the industry represents the property owners, represents the landlord or the developer. And so it's very easy to kind of stay in your lane because ultimately, if I'm looking for a client in the Buckhead area, I know every single property owner's name. I know every single space that's available. And if that 2,000 square feet doesn't work for one client, then I can show it to another client. So to answer your question, yes, commercial real estate is fantastic. 
but I could not have done it without the support of my husband because we are commission only. And so to come into an industry that's commission only, it takes a couple of years to learn the markets, to learn the vocabulary as with any business. Yeah. And so you need that support of a, of a team member, a family member, a spouse to bear with you because I'm sure there were many days he looked at me and he goes, yeah, this isn't going to work. And I yeah. said, please be patient with me. So about two years in, um, you started to see the, the fruits of my labor, the, the flowers that bloomed. Hey fam, Ron L here. Wanted to let you know that Business and Bourbon is committed to helping our community to up their social media game and do better business. So what we've done is partnered with the Ready for Social platform to give Business and Bourbon listeners free access to this amazing tool to help you to do better business using social media. So all you have to do is go to the show notes in this episode, click on the link, and you'll get free access. With that, you'll get this amazing content management tool that will help you to manage content and will bring in the type of content that your community, that your partners, that your customers want to see, like exclusive business and bourbon clips. So again, all you have to do, go to the show notes, click the link and get your free access today. Now back to the show. Okay. So you started your career in, in residential. Yes. You dropped a, a nugget that I want people to pick up on because a lot of people want to get into real estate, right? Um, so you know the, the potential for income. But it also, it's a really tough racket and it has a high failure rate. So, I mean, people listen to our podcast because they want honesty. They want vulnerability. They want the truth. And so I want, I think having you here to share some of this is going to be really valuable for some folks and to share how you actually, how you get to success. The first thing I want people to understand or to hear from what you just said is that you made that transition from residential to commercial as a lifestyle choice. I think that is powerful because real estate agents in the residential world, they work when all the time, they work when other people are off because when I'm off, that's when I have time to look at the house that you want to show me. Right now in the commercial space, you get to work more traditional business hours, right? Absolutely. Okay. So guys, that's something to listen to. If you're wanting to get into to real estate, want to transition to real estate in the commercial world, you get more close to bankers hours, right? All right. So give us some nuggets, man. What does it take to be successful in that business? I'm starting out. I know I got a big hill to climb. I know it's difficult and we understand it's going to take time just like anything, but how do I do it? Give me some nuggets. Give me a couple things that I should be focused on that, that are going to help me succeed. Absolutely. So Commercial estate, whether you're in office, industrial, retail, is 100% about relationships. So getting your name and your face out there and meeting people in the industry, meeting the restaurateurs, meeting the bartenders, because, you know, my love has been in restaurants. I worked in a restaurant, you know, all throughout college. I love the energy. It's like a party that's created every night. And, you know, you walk into a retail store and they're selling some goods. That's not exactly the same energy. So I've found that I love to be where people are and people are drinking and they're eating and they're listening to live music and they're out having fun. And that's the kind of energy that fuels me. So with that, some nuggets about how to get in. Uh, you just really have to get your foot in the door with a mentor 
and find someone who can kind of take you under their wing and educate you because I think it's very difficult to try to do it by yourself. There's a lot of folks that I've met over the last year or so that have wanted to be in commercial and I think they have a difficult time focusing, right? They're doing a little bit of office, they're doing a little bit of retail and really to get fully entrenched in it. I mean, right now you can throw a dart at a map and I could tell you those four corners the city, the ownership, the retailers that are there. So should you focus on a very specific area? Like you just said, people are retail and office, whatever. Yes. Should they pick a lane? I do think it's very important to pick a lane. In market in a market like Atlanta, that is so big with 7 million people here and probably another half a million coming as of just this past year, given all the changes in the country. I do think it's important to pick a lane because the vocabulary that you use for office and industrial is very different than the vocabulary and the negotiating tactics and the people that you meet in each of those three categories. Okay. It gets even smaller in my niche, which is restaurants. So I get a lot of my new business from existing rent restaurant tours that I already work with because they know off the top of my head, I could tell you how that restaurant performs, how that performs, what the busy nights are over here. And you need to be aware of that so that as you look to open another restaurant, you're not going in blind. You know, I'll give you an example. One of my um, success stories is a restaurant tour was coming in from Orlando. And I said, I'm going to teach you Atlanta. Not, I'm going to highlight a couple sites, but I don't really want to push you in any direction. I want you to really feel what works for you based on my experience dining at all your other restaurants in Florida. So I introduced them to the Atlanta market. We spent three days in addition to driving with them and seeing different restaurants for lunch, dinner, cocktails, etc., I also introduced them to four bartenders, three general managers. They said, you guys have a conversation. I want you to be honest and tell this restaurant tour why they should come to Atlanta. What are the challenges that they're going to anticipate? What's the ebb and flow of this neighborhood? So beyond finding a specific site and negotiating on behalf of the client, I'm making all those introductions so that they can be well-informed in making the decision and make sure that it's 100% that they're comfortable with. Okay, cool. I like that. So give us a, a piece of advice for someone just getting into that world. What should they be focused on? How can they have a leg up on? Because it's really very competitive. How can they have a leg up on their competition? Read. Read everything you can get your hands on. My husband laughs at me because every time we pass like a newsstand or a magazine stand, I'm picking up, you know, the Whole Foods down the street here from us has probably six different magazines. One's called Buckhaven that combines two neighborhoods. And yeah, there's advertising in it, but there's articles about some mom and pop shops that are looking to open or looking to grow. And so the more you can fuel your brain with intel and what's going on in the market, the Atlanta Business Chronicle here in Atlanta is a great source for new developments and events that are happening in the city. So the more that you can fuel your mind in order to express to potential clients what's going on in your city and educate them, the more they're going to see you as an expert in the market. I like that. Know your market. And to your point, yeah, those, we used to call them rags back in the day, right? Those, uh, those different newspapers and online resources of what's going on, what's going on in, this, in the smaller communities is super powerful. And, and to your point, establishes you as a as an expert. Right? I love it. Okay. Great answer to that, Edie. I Thank love, you. I, I, that, so, so now you spent you know, a lot of years with a very large firm and, and then you ventured out on your own to create yes. your own firm. Why? 
I felt like I had learned the tools of the trade and everything that was necessary for me to be successful. Oftentimes, clients that are with me are with me because of how I take care of them and follow up. And I think follow up is another key component of all of this and how I've been successful is that oftentimes I'll go do a pitch with a restaurateur and there's probably three other people that have pitched that same restaurant. And my follow up is suffice to say intense and I am persistent and tenacious and you know I'm used to seeing 20 no's before I hear a yes and that's that's kind of how I got involved in the industry I reached out to multiple folks in retail real estate and I said I want to come work for you every month I'd call them again I want to come work for you and so that's a year and a half later that's how I got into the business so persistence curiosity are two of the key factors to finding a spot in commercial so again, that transition, it's scary leaving a big logo and, and putting up your own because as tenacious as you are and as talented as you are, now you're on your own. Isn't that scary? Scary and exciting at the same time. You know, I felt like I have, again, all, this, all the tools ready for me. I am doing probably a little bit more administrative stuff, but knowing that those commission checks are all mine is very rewarding. Yeah. Plus, it also allows me to scale down. I uh, recently watched Jerry Maguire with my kids. And, you know, the point that stuck out is you get down to one client and you're giving that one client your all. And so this has allowed me to decrease my client portfolio and really focus and take care of those folks in a way that I really, you know, may not have been able to before. So that's been very important. The for one me. thing you can also learn from Jerry Maguire or Ronnell Richards and business, that one client leaving is a death blow. <laughs> you can't lose that one client. Um, and that's something that's part of the experience in business is figuring out which lane you want to play in and which you focus on providing really high level service to a few key customers, right? Right. Key clients, really deep relationships. Some of them, it's going to be more transactional, more, you know, my experience has been a mixed bag. You have multiple companies and I learned early on when I started my first company, we had one major company that we worked with and, you know, they screwed us out of a whole lot of money. And uh, then, you know, they at the time they were worth about, I don't know, 80% of the revenue. And I made a strategic decision at that point that we will never be affected by one business that much, right? And so that I totally changed the model and went more transactional, right? So we went down market, smaller customers, and got a whole lot of those. So if I lost one, okay, we don't want to lose anyone, but if we lose one, we keep it moving. It doesn't really hurt us. But I think that's something that anyone getting into business or even those of you that are established in business need to really understand and really be intentional in terms of knowing who do we who do we work with, who really fits our long-term goals, right? And you know who can we serve them? And I talk about this a lot, serving at the highest level. You guys know this. Who can we serve the best, and who fits again our business the best? Who makes the most sense for our business? All right, fun question time. Yes. I got another fun question for you. What do you do for fun? Like, I always ask people this because business is hard. It's hard and you'll work a whole lot of hours if you allow yourself to. And we have to have outlets. Yes. So what's your outlet? So I'm insatiably curious. I read 30 books last year. Oh, my God. And I'm trying to push for 35 this book? year. No, I had not. That was a trick question. I don't have one yet. <laughs> Coming out this year, though, guys. <laughs> well, good. I'm going to add that to my. So is that a 2021 book? 
that I can it, add? It is. Yeah. Beautiful. We'll do it. <laughs> um, so I love to read, but I also love to travel. So um, part of what I've always done is traveled internationally. I took myself to the UK to hang out with a friend that I had met being a hostess in a restaurant for a year. And learned so much. But most recently, um, I wish I could travel more, but our biggest trip in the last year or so has been to Southeast Asia. And I think that it is so important for people to travel, experience other cultures, try different foods. I think it opens our eyes and gives us a better appreciation for what we have. Not only does it give us a better appreciation of what we have, it helps us to understand everyone better and everything better and have just a better perspective man and just like you i'm a massive advocate of traveling we need to travel we need to see i don't care how wealthy you are or aren't money does not make you wiser (laughs) it doesn't make you more well balanced experience does going out and you don't need you know millions of dollars to go experience the world and see things from other people's perspective if everyone you know what it's funny it's funny, Edie, because you've got all these countries that have these mandatory, like, military service for their youth, right? Turn 16, turn 18, you got to go serve in the military for, military for two years. If we had mandatory, go experience a life that's way different than yours for two years for everyone. Oh, my God. How much better of people we would be, how much better our countries would be, and we just... We'd be less dicks. How about that? You know, just we'd be nicer. You know? I agree. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I describe it the same way, no, but you don't have yes. to. That's a wrong collaboration is good. <laughs> rant, rant off, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Okay. Be better, people. Travel more. <laughs> yes. All right. Where can people find you? So that's fun because I met you through our mutual friend Nick. And, or no, you introduced me to Nick. That's it. Thank you. And Nick helped me kind of come up with a game plan that, you know, tell me a little bit more about yourself, what you do. And he said, that's it. Edie everywhere. So on Instagram, you can find me at edie.everywhere. And then I taught myself how to build a website last year. So I'm at www, yes, terraalma.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-A-L-M-A-L-M-A. Yes. It means... Rooted in soul. What language is that? So Terra is Italian and Alma is Spanish. Okay. So I created the firm to be globally inspired, hence my travel, and rooted in soul such that every client that I work with, I'm putting a piece of my soul in because, again, I'm not transactional. I'm not throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks. I am full service and that I am walking them through, you know, why we're going to this neighborhood versus that, the access here, the parking there, introducing them to other operators in the market. I want to make sure that that business is there for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road. Love it. Love it. That's something I think everyone can take from, uh, if you guys take one thing from this episode, take that. That's how you do business. And that's how you can step out on your own, step out from under the big corporation. If you're building advocates, you're building customers for you and what you do, and you're going above and beyond, you can do some big things with that. Absolutely Edie, great. this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out in the bar with me. Hope I'm you had a good time. I never pass up an opportunity for a cocktail. I know. You better finish that cocktail <laughs> before we're done. That's it. You got me beat. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done. Hey, guys, thanks as always for listening. 
I appreciate you. Make sure you go to businessandbourbon.live. Get your free membership. We are touring, guys. We're touring the country this year. We're touring, and I want to see your faces. I want to see you out there. I want to shake your hands. I want to kiss your babies. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a politician, guys. No, in all seriousness, we are touring. You can find the tour dates. They're going to be launched here within about the next month. Get out there. Come see us. Come network with us. Come meet some like-minded business professionals. If we're in your town, come out and see us. If we're not in your town, find a town that's closest and come out and hang out with us. We're going to kick it off in the ATL, and then we're going to move on out from there, guys. So I cannot wait to see you all there. Thank you, as always, for listening. And with that, we out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.